This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. The Lord be with you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's blessings never come to an end. They are new every morning, awakening within us songs of praise. So sing out, O my soul, the greatness of our God. Merry Kirihimete, Merry Christmas to you all, wherever you are tuning in from. My name is Jordan. I'm the minister at Knox Church in the centre of Dunedin. I'm also one of the chaplains at the University of Otago, and it's a pleasure to be uh, officiating at this short radio church service on Christmas Day. I hope it's a day uh, filled with many blessings for you, whatever it has in store. The gospel reading we're going to hear shortly is one from Matthew chapter 11. It tells of an encounter between John the Baptist's disciples and Jesus. And at the heart of the passage is a question from John's disciples to Jesus. Are you the one who is to come or should we wait for another? And on this Christmas day, that question echoes for us in our own faith journeys We focus today on Christmas, uh, on all the promises that God holds for us in Jesus, and yet we wonder at times, is Jesus really the one who is to come? When we look at all that's going on in our world, all that's going on in our lives, is Jesus really the fulfillment of all these hopes? To begin this short service, uh, we have a song by Phoebe Bridges, Fiona Apple and Matt Berninger, their rendition of the well-known carol Silent Night. And uh, it's overdubbed by clips of the 7 o'clock news, an uneasy tension between the promise of the gift of the Christ child and the reality of our world. And so we hear Silent Night now. Thank you. 
Mick Mulvaney, the acting White House Chief of Staff, through the Trump administration's defense against impeachment into disarray on Thursday, when he said that the White House withheld nearly $400 million in military aid to Ukraine to further President Trump's political interests. And that's the 7 o'clock news. We pray. We give you praise, O God, recalling again your promises that the sick will be healed, that limiting disabilities will no longer be disabling, that the needs of the poor will be relieved, even that the dead will be raised. We're captivated by the hope that these promises are being fulfilled by your coming among us in Jesus Christ. And yet, your promises haven't been fulfilled yet, have they, God? There is a yawning gap between all we hope for in you and what we see in our lives and in the world around us. We don't know how to reconcile this gap. Forgive us for asking, but are you really the one who is to come this Christmas? Or are we to expect another? Are we to look elsewhere for our joy and our salvation? We confess our doubt We confess our desire to believe. Lord, forgive our unbelief, our indifference, and turn us towards you in faith once more. By your Spirit, open our eyes to your coming among us. Grant us imagination to see things not as they are, but as you intend them to be, and will realize in the fullness of time. Empower us to walk in your way, living in anticipation of your coming into our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, the newborn King. Amen. Friends, wherever you are, know that the good news of Christ finds you. We're told in Isaiah, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, the desert shall rejoice and blossom. God is with us. Emmanuel bringing fullness and flourishing of life. God forgives us, forgive others, forgive yourself. Amen. So, our reading, as I mentioned before, is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. It's not a traditional Christmas passage, and yet I hope to weave it in to the Christmas theme, starting at verse 2. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with skin disease are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. 
and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This Advent, I've been reflecting a lot on hope. You may be aware if uh, you're familiar with Christian World Service that they have a Christmas appeal this year and the theme is Let Hope Flow. And it's called Let Hope Flow because it's seeking to support communities on the front line of climate change to ensure that they have proper access to water, flowing water, streams of life. Each of the lectionary gospel readings during Advent has helped me to enter into a different dimension of hope, and I want to share a little bit of that with you today. A few weeks ago, the gospel reading told us of Jesus' coming at an unexpected hour, like a thief in the night. And therefore, to be people of hope is to be alert, waiting and watching for signs of God's life coming among us. And that's why we tune into Radio Church week by week. It's why we go to church week by week to do the same thing time and again. It's a practice in staying awake, alert to God's presence among us. Then, the week after that, the Advent readings led us to hear from John the Baptist, the one who comes out of the wilderness without soft robes but with rough robes. He issues a warning and a call to repentance, an invitation to turn from ways of living that diminish life and to turn towards God and others in ways that build up life. I like to think of John the Baptist as someone who rips the band-aid off. He tells it like it is, and that's an important aspect of hope too. Not uh, deceiving ourselves, but looking at the situation we find ourselves in without the rose-tinted glasses or the empty optimism. There's something to be said for staring our fears in the face and not looking away. For me, the Christian World Service Christmas Appeal does that. It's challenging because it places before us the current realities of communities on the front lines of climate change. There's a deep discomfort in that invitation not to look away. And there's a deep discomfort in the invitation for us to do something about it, to respond with prayer, with generosity of spirit, and with changing the ways we live. John the Baptist, I think, points to the no-frills pragmatic element of hope. We don't help anyone by lying to ourselves. Rather, we stare our fears in the face as an act of hopeful defiance, a refusal to be controlled by an invisible specter of our unfaced fears. But that's not the final word of hope. We know, of course, that John the Baptist was merely paving the way for another, one whose sandals he's not even worthy to untie. John calls us to repent, but he does so because... God is already coming near. He calls us to turn towards God because God is already turning towards us in Jesus Christ. 
And I think that gets to the heart of our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 11 on this Christmas day. It's like the response of Jesus to John the Baptist's call to repentance. The disciples of John the Baptist are ever waiting, ever preparing for God's coming among them. And they can see that there's something special about this Jesus, but they're not sure yet whether he is the one paving the way or merely a one. And so they approach Jesus, asking him, what's a fair question? Are you the one who's to come, or are we to wait for another Jesus? I wonder this Christmas if we might often find ourselves in the shoes of John's followers. That is, on Christmas Day we remember all that Jesus promises. We want to believe it all. We want to believe that God is with us, that salvation and life has been poured out for all. But ultimately... We can never prove it. We can never be quite sure if what we're really seeing, hearing, and experiencing is God, or whether we just ate some bad chicken last night on Christmas Eve. We live by faith. And Jesus' response leaves us, I think, with more questions than answers. He says, well, go and tell everyone what you see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who are sick are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. It sounds great, Jesus, but, well, is that really the case? Because there are people in our own lives, in our own lives who are ill and who continue to be ill, who wait for healing and for whom healing never comes. There are those who are disabled who continue to live in a disabling society that prevents their full participation. The poor continue to be poor, and we know in our current cost of living crisis that in many cases the poor are getting poorer. And above all, inescapably, the dead are still dead, aren't they? Jesus tells us, blessed are those who take no offense at him. But honestly, we might be forgiven for taking a little bit of offense at these promises which we hold so dearly and which so clearly appear to remain unfulfilled, at least the side of the grave. It seems to me that being people of hope means holding that tension between John and Jesus between looking at the ugliness in our world full in the face and looking towards Jesus for the source of our hope and faith in the midst of it. Do you remember last week, John the Baptist, or a couple of weeks ago rather, John the Baptist talked about clearing away in the wilderness, making straight the paths, that famous announcement of John the Baptist. His message is one of tearing down, of deconstruction. And as I've said, that's an important element of hope. But there's a a passage in Isaiah which offers a different dimension. It's in Isaiah, uh, actually I can't remember the chapter right now, but it's it's in the prophet Isaiah, and the prophecy imagines what happens next. It's after the tearing down, after the deconstruction, after the clearing away, Isaiah imagines a road through the wilderness. And this road is a holy way, 
The tearing down has already happened and now the building up has begun. Along this road, water runs down unhindered, bringing abundant life and blossoming in the desert. Swamp plans form in the wilderness. Life bursts forth and God's people walk on that road, tending to it, living off it, rejoicing as they go. It's a vision, a vision of sustenance and provision in the barren places of our lives. It's a vision of abundant life in a place of lack of life. It is the response of Jesus to look for the signs of life as a response to John the Baptist's words of preparation. Here's the thing. In this metaphor of Isaiah, there's a liberation from the burden of feeling we need to save the world. In this metaphor, we can't green the whole desert. And we don't need to rewild the whole wilderness because we can't. And in the same way, we can't save the world. We can no more solve the war in the Ukraine than we can change the authoritarian regime in Iran, let alone solve the multifaceted problem of climate change. All these things are far greater than any one person or community. And to think we can solve it and that we can take it all on ourselves is an act of hubris. We can certainly play our part, don't get me wrong, but we can't bear the burden alone. To do so would crush us. That doesn't mean we're left helpless and hopeless, though. We can look around us for where the streams of living water are already flowing. And trust me, they are already flowing. I'm thinking of the likes of Lindsay Creek down Northeast Valley, which you would hardly notice is there, but it is. Or I'm thinking of the stream which we discovered recently runs right under Knox Church and we've covered over it and built our building on top of it. And yet it is there. We can focus our attention on the living streams where the living waters flow. We can learn to walk along its banks, enjoying its life and its waters, cultivating the earth around us, rejoicing in God's life as we go. I think Isaiah is reminding us that hope starts small. It's practical. It's down to earth. It's local. It's focused. It's Lindsay Creek. It's Te Orfeo, the Leith River. We become people of hope, not by thinking our way there, but by walking our way there. Walking that holy way besides living streams. And that's what joy is. Enjoying the waters of life, anticipating now, noticing the signs of all we hope for in Jesus. Yes, it's true, the dead remain in their graves. Sickness and evil and greed and war still plague our world. The ultimate fulfillment of our hope lies beyond us. But, but the living streams are flowing from there, from the beyond, even now into our world, rewilding our lives with joy and life. If we have eyes to see, may you have eyes to see this Christmas. And so we're told by Jesus, stop and notice, hear, see, 
taste, touch, and then go and tell what you see. Go and make these signs of life known in the desert. And God knows the world needs it in our current age where the word crisis is used so frequently as to lose its potency. Hear, see, taste, touch. I'm mindful of the meal of holy communion. It's a meal of thanksgiving and joy and anticipation of everything we hope for. It's an invitation to look down and around at the real, tangible, down-to-earth signs of God's advent among us. It's a seal of those promises in our own lives through the awakening of the Spirit, a call to share in that work of voicing hope and realizing joy. Now, I realize that from the comfort of your home this Christmas morning, it may be difficult to celebrate the meal of Holy Communion. But most of us will be having some sort of special meal on Christmas Day. We may celebrate it with others, with loved ones, or we may celebrate it alone. But as you prepare for that special meal, whatever that looks like for you today, I encourage you to take a moment of thanksgiving. May the meal be a reminder for you of God's presence with you and of the many blessings of life. God bless you wherever you are this Christmas. May you know hope and joy in abundance. And may you go and tell what you see. For the blind will receive their sight, the lame will walk, those with skin disease will be cleansed, the deaf will hear, the dead will be raised, and the poor will have good news brought to them. Thanks be to God. Amen. So I thought we'd finish uh, today's service with a well-known hymn. This hymn is Tell Out My Soul, uh, a famous musical setting of Mary's Magnificat. Mary, of course, sings her song with joy when she is pregnant, expecting the Christ child, this gift of God. It's a song of joy for you, for me, for all of us this Christmas day. May the peace of Christ be with you always and all whom you love. Enjoy. Tell out my soul.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.